Bill, you with us? Uh, do you hear me? I can hear you. How you doing? Say yep, hello to I can John. hear you as well. All right. Sorry about that. I had to. <laughs> Windows decided it was time to restart, and Kapersky wouldn't load, and then Skype came up, and it wanted to load. Actually, I don't still see Kapersky, but let me relaunch it again. Uh, I love technology. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, it says I, uh, my protection is up, so yeah. uh, I'm a. I'm a software developer by trade, so I don't like technology either. (laughs) Back to the bin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and as is pretty much regularly the case, that's Dr. Bill Robinson. Everybody, say hello, Dr. Bill. Hello, Dr. Bill. My computer was working again. Sorry it took me so long to be here, but you guys don't know that because, well, you two guys do, but everybody else doesn't. So when Bill says you two guys, he me- he's not saying that I'm as fat as two people. He's saying, <laughs> making mention of the fact that we have a guest with us on today, Mr. Dylan Goss. Am I saying that right? Is it Goss? Or- that, that's, that's correct. Thanks for having me. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to have you. And just uh, by way of background, Dylan is a, I'm, I'm going to say aspiring, but I think it's beyond aspiring, even though, uh, you know, it's... Uh, for whatever the case may be, that's the word I'm just going to use, an aspiring creator. Uh, and I'm happy to say that Dylan reached out to me and, and said he's got a project working and he wanted to come on and talk about it. And to be totally honest, he sent me some stuff and I took a look at it. And not only did I find it interesting, but I think it's something that the people out there may find interesting as well. So I'm really happy uh, to have you on and talk about this and hope maybe that you know people will... Uh, hear what you have to say and and check it out and see if they want to order it. But uh, why don't we start uh, with what the Kickstarter project is, and then we'll kind of circle back to that towards the end. All right. Uh, Yeah, we have a Kickstarter coming up on May 27th for uh, for a comic I've been working on for a long time now. Uh, It's a little over a year since I first started. And uh, we... You know, we've been releasing it online, and uh, I want to take it to print. Okay, and the book is called Mara. And why don't we, again, I, I want to kind of circle around a little bit, but before we before we walk away from that, what what is just kind of the basic premise of Mara? So the, um, the main character, who the, the book is named after, Mara, is a member of a small fishing tribe um and she lives by a river which is significant in her world because it's a it's a very dry world and such a dry world in fact that that river was the cause of a tribal war and uh well her tribe was not really ready for what attacked her and um because of that they 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 didn't fare well and she just happened to hide the best of 
you know, all of her people who weren't fighters, she happened to hide the best and ended up being the last one. Uh, because she was the very last one, the, the guardian spirit of their tribe uh, picked her. It, uh, he could not pick someone without knowing that they were the most worthy of the tribe, because spirits do have rules in this world. Uh, uh, being the last one left, she was the most worthy, and she received the spirit's power and took her revenge that way. Okay, so again, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of come back to that a little bit more as we go on, but I think it's probably worth at this point talking about your background a little bit, and uh, why don't we go way back and talk about like how you got into comics in the first place, and then we'll we'll kind of move forward. Sure. Uh, you know, when, um, when I was still living in the U.S., and uh, I moved when I was pretty young, I, was, I moved to Belize, but uh, at the time... My uh, my dad was driving past a garage sale and, of course, stopped by, as you do. And uh, he found they were selling these boxes of old comic book for a dollar a box. Well, at a dollar a box, he filled up the back of his pickup truck. <laughs> that's, that's like a fantasy to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, this is a pretty good deal. I wish I could find those those dollar boxes now. I, I don't see those very much anymore. But um, in those boxes, it was mostly Marvel. Uh, there was a heavy focus on X-Men and Spider-Man. And they're all different types of Spider-Man. You know, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, Peter Parker, you know, was... a uh, he really stuck with me because uh, he was—he wasn't just a superhero, as if that wasn't enough. He was already—he was already a pretty smart guy before he got his powers, all right? Um, and uh, of course, uh, the X-Men. You know, Kitty Pride is a great character that stuck with me. I read a lot of New Mutants as well. Uh, Wolverine is, uh, well, I named my son Logan after Wolverine, so clearly I, didn't, clearly I didn't like him very much. Uh, <laughs> you know. as, as I mentioned to you earlier, <laughs> our other co-host, Scott, also has a son Logan at home, but he was, uh, I, I don't want to spoil this for Scott's wife if she doesn't know this already, but uh, he was named for Logan's run as opposed to uh, Wolverine, but uh, equally geeky as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I almost snuck Logan past my wife, but she wised up, and then, then we went with Ben for his for uh, his first name, and I'm like, well, you know, Luke is a good uh, Bible name. She was Catholic, so yeah, Benjamin Luke, that sounds good. And then as soon as the ink was dry, I was like, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> We all have to torture our children in some way, shape, or form that way. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, my, my daughter's middle name is Taylor, and I was always telling her about, <laughs> about that, so Planet of the Apes. And when I, when I want to call her and really annoy her, I do my imitation of Nova when she first speaks and goes, Taylor! So she, she gets really <laughs> upset with me when I do that. But it's, you know, it's you got to have fun in life. 
so you know you you and i are you know we, we have an age gap and we have a, a little gap in in time as far as when we started reading them but we do have a similar background that we were you know brought brought into the world of marvel and and had that uh just totally take over our <laughs> our essence in some ways uh so so now you, your full-time job is writing this comic right Oh yeah, I wish. Uh, no, I uh, I do software development, uh, mostly you know, mostly the server backend stuff nobody ever sees. So when I'm asked for a portfolio, I have nothing to show. So so but uh, so from that, how do how do you bridge the gap of being a from being a fan to writing a book? You know that that's that's that that seems to be a huge leap there for me. It's not something yeah. where where it's just like oh you know yeah I'm a writer now, you know. Uh, you know I've always been a writer uh, for fantasy uh, fiction in general as long as I've been able to write. Uh, when I was I guess I would have been seven or eight years old at the time. There was a there was a yard sale and I had ten dollars in my pocket. And uh, I saw these three uh, these three tabletop games out. There was uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, the uh, the classic red box, and there was Advanced D and D, and there was uh, a more obscure one called Top Secret SI. And uh, the hmm. seven year old me thought that uh, the the dragon looked the coolest. And they were they were ten bucks each anyway. I had ten bucks, so I went and grabbed that. And um, as we were leaving, the uh, the owner uh, came up to the driver's side window, my mom's car, and said, "Hey, your son was the only one who showed any interest in any of these, so he should have the other two as well." <laughs> and, uh, and that that was that was that was great for me. You know, I loved that. Made my whole day. <laughs> but. Um, uh, from uh, from those games, uh, that that was my first interest in fantasy. Really, uh, that uh, is what caused me to want to write about adventures and dragons and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so it kind of because uh, because it's not a it's not a passive game. You are a, you're a, you're a part of the adventure. Uh, you are creating the story as you go along. So that spurred me to create more. And I've always wanted to do some form of writing, probably because of that. And I, I started with wanting to do novels, and and I moved into wanting to do games. And eventually, I I, I just I just tried different uh, medium media until one of them stuck. You know, it, I probably should have realized I wanted to do comics a while ago, right. um, because when I was doing video games, I had an, I had an artist draw up the cutscenes as comics, and yet it still didn't click for me until years later. Mm -hmm. But here I am. Did you did you do any kind of formal writing training? No, actually, I've never done any formal writing training. I um, I've always been just uh, writing for myself and uh, for a, a small group 
of readers, you know. Uh, I've never been published on any grand scale uh, or even any significant scale before this comic. This this comic is really my first uh, my first adventure into published works, I guess I should say. And and you started with this as a web comic, right? That's right. That uh, that's how I got uh, most of my readers, uh, one page a week, and um, it uh, you know it it's been going for a while now. We're we're into chapter two on the web already. Yeah, and, I, it just uh, for anybody yeah. listening, it's mara-comic.com yeah. slash archive. Uh, that'll get you there, and then you can uh, you can see the first two chapters are there of the book. I I, I actually uh, Dylan sent me the uh, a PDF of the first chapter, which I read, and I didn't realize until we were about to go on that the second chapter is right there for me to read. So when we're done recording, I got something to do. <laughs> how, how did how did you manage to? Because I'm I'm curious about like the process. How did you manage to set up the uh, the web comic? Well, the uh, it, I mean I've I've done web development before, so the website part uh, wasn't a big deal for me. Uh, but as far as getting an artist goes, um, you know I have designer contacts because I I do programming. You kind of have to, especially I did freelancing for a while, and I reached out to one of uh, one of the artists I know, and I said, "Hey, um, I want to do this comic. Would you, you know, would you like to be the illustrator?" Because she has done comics before, and she took a look at my script and she said, "Well, this is cool, but I only do sci-fi. I'll reach out to a couple of my friends and see uh, see if they're interested." Now. She really downplayed what she actually was about to do. Uh, she put out a uh, she put out an ad with her uh, with her art school contacts, mm. and I ended up with 15 emails that night. Hey, I want to do the want to do the comic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that that was that was great. Uh, I I, I um, was not expecting that, but I got a lot of good contacts that way. And I eventually narrowed it down to three on the short list, and I gave each of them a uh, a contract to draw the draw the main characters, the the concept art in their style, because I wanted to see where each of them went with it. And uh, they were all good. They were all good. But Rosie's work, you know, it's like you're uh, it's like you're in a car lot. You're buying a car. And one catches your eye, and it doesn't really matter what the salesman's telling you after that, mm-hmm, because right. you already made up your mind. And that's how I felt about Rosie's work. I already made up my mind. Now the th- this is definitely the three that you narrowed it down to. Was, obviously, Rosie was one of them, and it's Rosie Wu yeah. uh, for anybody right. listening. Uh, and the the two other potential artists were their styles dramatically different from this. Yes, uh, Rosie had more of a um, more of a manga or anime style, um, and uh, one one of the other artists had a much more realistic style. You know, um, in the in the comic, uh, Mara is eight years old, 
And um, I have to say, this guy's work definitely made her look more like an actual eight-year-old, whereas uh, the the art style we went with, it's very indeterminate, you know, it, which is how anime is a lot of the time. You're not really sure how old someone is because of uh, because of their proportions. And um, while it was good. I don't. I didn't feel like it had the fantastical style I was looking for, right? Um, and the other one uh, leaned more into the Viking aspect because her tribe. Uh, I have taking uh, inspiration from Vikings and Inuit people, and Rosie leaned more into the Inuit. This other artist re- leaned more into the Viking, mm-hmm. and uh, neither of them were bad. You know, they were both really good, but I, I just liked Rosie's work that much more, and I had to, I had to go with that I, because I just wanted to. I found myself wanting to see what she would do with it. Interesting, and I, I could see where that could be a real difficult choice to make. So, uh, looking over, you know chapter one at least uh as i was saying to you before we started i I see it almost as a cross between like a disney-esque kind of look and then you know a little bit of pixar uh there's there's a a fantasy element to it that i really appreciate uh and it could be it could be like looked at as kind of you know geared towards a younger audience until you see the content and then the content is you know it, the violence is is there uh yeah so it, it to me what i said before to uh, dylan is that i saw it as uh subverting your expectations a little bit when you take this uh fantastical art and then you add in the violent element to it uh and and i mean that in the most complimentary way because i i found it to be I found myself to be staring at the artwork uh, instead of just kind of rushing through the pages. I found myself just taking the page and looking at it. And, you know, in in the current day of uh, decompressed storytelling and all, you know, there's always the risk of kind of rushing through something and being done with it in, you know, two minutes. And and then you say, well, where's the rest? Uh, So if the artwork engages you to to want to look at it more and look more closely, you know, I see that as as an absolute plus. and then, and then, you know, as you mentioned, I do see kind of the manga-esque style blended in there as well. Uh, but I don't think it's so manga-esque that if you are not a fan of that, you would be turned off by it. Um, there was a stretch, I think it was like in the late 90s, where, where a lot of comic book artists started taking on a manga-type style and approach their books. And to be honest, it did turn me off a little bit. This does not have that effect. I really like the artwork in this book. I think we can trace that trend to Akira. Actually, that was mm. uh, that was one of the first times that Western audiences really got a mainstream anime exposure. You know, have you seen that, Paul? No, I, you know, I never have, and I've had people suggest oh. to me that I should. Uh, you know, we, you should. I've, another thing I've we got that. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry. No, no, I, I've I've got that on. Uh, I think I've had it on videotape and DVD. I got like the steel box set. It's a it's, it's a good. It, it's a it's yes. If you like this, that would be a good thing for you to watch. 
And in, in you know discussing it, you mentioned the you know comparison to uh, the last Airbender, uh, and you mentioned how you watch it with your kids, and it's funny. My kids loved that show. And I ended up a couple of years ago, I bought them the Blu-ray box set of the entire series. And they were like, yeah, that's great, Dad, but we've seen it all. So we're not watching it unless you sit down with us and watch it. Uh, <laughs> so I watched the whole thing with them. And I, I got to say, I enjoyed most of it. it there was very, very few episodes that I didn't find engaging. Uh, and I do see a similarity in some ways to this. Uh, Which, But that was, uh, like you said, subverting your expectations when I got to page eight in chapter one, and I was like, oh, okay, this is not your dad's avatar. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. I was like, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I expected some violence, and I, I was thinking maybe in, in the story that Mara would, you know, she would come out and people would just already be, I mean, I didn't know where, where it was going, which is nice. I like to be surprised because as you get older and you read more and you watch more things, it's often you expect. Like you said, you subverted the expectations. Oh, I did not see that coming. Interesting. Where is this going? Yeah, I like to um, I like to not have just one element of storytelling because I feel like uh, people will get jaded to it. It's a little bit like a callus. You know, you keep rubbing the same spot, you're gonna get a callus there. And uh, if you if all you do is kick the main character. After a while, and it's not going to take very long, people are going to go, oh, you're, you're kicking the main character again. What a mm-hmm. surprise, right? So, uh, yeah, I try to have, uh, I try to have uh, positive and negative moments in there. You know, uh, moving forward, I try to have uh, not, not turning it into a comedy, but uh, in moments that have a little they by themselves. Yeah. Have, have comedic value um, because y- you know you do you don't want to necessarily shift the tone constantly but you do want to keep it fresh like uh, one of the biggest criticisms of berserk despite the fact that it's an amazing work you know and I, I definitely don't want to uh, I definitely don't want to say otherwise but you always know that Guts is going to have a bad time. We, we've, we've talked about some books in the past where they're constantly, if it, it, there's constantly a feel of them kicking the main character, as, as to, you, to use your uh, analogy. Uh, or, and, or any Josh, uh, Josh uh, Whedon story, you know, don't get too happy. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it, there is an aspect of that where, where you don't want to be so so far down that there's no joy in the book uh so i do think you need to add occasional comic elements and occasional victories in there now you can't have all victories because if you have all victories then you know there's no, nothing to overcome as, <laughs> as kicking yeah as always kicking your character in the teeth yeah so, you've got to balance it and and, and I, have other things that hold your interest not only balance it but i think you know often again, to use the same terminology again, to, to subvert the expectations and to put yourself in a position where you think, okay, now I know where the story is going. Oops, it didn't go there. I think that's that's important as well. Uh, and, and I you know, again, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing where this story is going to go and do plan on uh, continuing with it. On, on the website, you have 
two chapters. Uh, what is planned for the uh, Kickstarter book? Uh, the first thing we want to do is get the first chapter to print. Um, right now we don't have, we don't have any printed work and, uh, chapters two is still in development and it would be nice to have that in print as well, but I don't, uh, unless the Kickstarter is wildly successful, I don't see that happening in this particular campaign. Uh, I do want to take chapter two to print, and that'll probably be the next one. Uh, if uh, if people surprise me and they really really like it, then we'll we'll have a we'll have a stretch goal later on to take uh, take the second one to print as well. But for now, we're focusing on the first one. Okay, and that was that was actually the next thing I was going to ask as far as you know the Kickstarter. You know what what is it that you are offering through the Kickstarter? And, and are there like um, various levels? Yeah, yeah. Besides, obviously, the comic itself, we uh, we got a guest artist to uh, make two postcards and a sticker, and uh, another another artist is making two more stickers. So that's gonna that's gonna be one tier to have um, to have three uh, three stickers and two postcards along with your comic uh there's also a variant cover and um rosie drew up a uh a stylized axe mars axe uh stylized specifically for a keychain and that, that's the one that i really am looking forward to as far as the extras go uh i really want that axe on my keychain mm. and uh, if nobody else orders it i'm going to <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, um, the the comic is kind of popular with the uh, with the tabletop RPG crowd, you know, the the D and D crowd in particular. And so I uh, I had a 3D sculptor make a, a you know, make a model of Mara herself uh, that can be 3D printed and. Um, we're going to have that as one of the one of the Kickstarter add-ons as well. You know, if you uh, if you have a printer at home, great. If if not, we can have it printed for you as well. Hmm, that sounds yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, I actually got one of the one of the test prints. I haven't had time to paint it myself. I am a I am a painter, but I haven't had time to do it myself because I have two kids under age three. <laughs> Mm. I remember those days. It's a long time ago, but I do remember what that's like. So uh, yeah, that'll that that'll be fun to paint up, um, and uh, I uh, I hope other people are looking forward to it too. Um, so yeah, those are those are the main things we're offering, um, and uh, there's a limited tier for uh, for Rosie to do some custom work for a few people you know, mm. if you if you get in uh before before they're gone she agreed to do five so that's what it's limited to okay if you get in before they're gone she'll she'll uh do some custom art for you it's extremely limited so people are gonna have to rush if they want to get in on that uh so so now you you've essentially put together two chapters so far or at least that have been published i don't know what you've done that we haven't been able to see yet 
do you kind of have a uh, a plan for where this story is going to go and kind of a you know a finite ending or is this something where it's open ended to you know potentially go on forever? It, it is a finite ending. Um, we, uh, you know, I I looked at uh, I looked at the long game for Mara and I thought about it, um, and it really didn't make sense for her to uh, have it be just open. You know, it makes sense for a lot of comics. That's uh, uh, that's Marvel and DC's bread and butter, right? But um, for her, she has the thing that she's doing. You know, she is she is avenging her tribe and she will discover later on that her real enemy is very deeply entrenched and she kind of has to fight her way toward that real enemy but once she gets there that will be the end of her adventure right mm-hmm. um, we uh, we're looking at we're, we're looking at 10 chapters for this Okay, and, and I, I, I'm sure <laughs> with the, the the way this artwork looks, I'm sure this is not a uh, you know some not a, not a very fast project to put out. How long do you think it'll? T- well, let me ask. Instead of trying to project for the future, how long did each of the first two chapters take to put together? Well, the um, we're still doing the second chapter uh, because it is it is longer than the first. Uh, the the first chapter took about eight months to put together and um we're we're still going with the uh with with the second one uh part of uh, part of what took the first chapter that amount of time was that uh we we started at a bad time um when we were just starting to get going we're like oh it's actually uh chinese new year now so we're gonna be taking a bunch of time off and, mm-hmm. and uh, we we had some interruptions there, and of course because um, we were just starting, uh, we had to get on the same page, and Rosie had to get familiar with the world I had uh, laid out. So we think uh, going forward it will be a little bit faster, um, but since the since, since the uh, later chapters are a bit longer, um, I'm uh, I'm hopeful that we will be done with it in three or four years. And do you do you, do you <laughs> intend to continue to uh, produce it as a web web comic as well as uh, you know potential kickstarters for actually putting it into print? Yeah, yeah. Um, I find that. Uh, it really helps uh, people discover the work to to have it as a webcomic because um, you know I I see uh, a lot of uh, indie comics in particular that um, will say hey we have a Kickstarter and sometimes they'll look cool and sometimes they won't but a lot of the time it's the first time I've ever heard of this mm-hmm. right. and um, I have back projects that I've never heard of before but I don't necessarily have any particular attachment to them going in. You know, it's all about the first impression there. And I, you know, I'm not a marketing guru or anything like that, but my thought on the matter is if you already have some attachment to this comic, when it goes to print, 
you'll be more likely to want to back that project. But that's just my that's that's uh, me being hopeful. You know, that's, that's my wishful thinking on it. Well, because if you've built a following yeah. online with the web comic, and then yeah, that's I I see what you're saying there. Like that that would you you would have more if somebody wants to actually physically own it in their house because that's the problem I have with a lot of digital media. It's like okay, something bad happens to your computer or whatever. It's nice to sometimes just have a, a actual hard copy that you can read whenever you want to, without needing power, without needing a digital device, a screen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, of course, I'm you know a luddite. So yeah, well, there, there is. I, I always <laughs> figure there's the risk of a generational uh, difference in values and that kind of thing. But I know I personally prefer you know the tactile feel of a book in my hand over reading it on a screen. Uh, so for that reason, I'm, I'm, you know, much more, uh, interested in, in the, uh, the Kickstarter project and then, you know, then just reading it online. I'm happy to read it online, but I do enjoy having the actual book in my hand. Uh, do you have to go through like a lot of steps to like copyright the material and everything? Because it seems to me like there's a danger of, uh, you know, people stealing your work basically. Well, it, um, I mean, there's always the risk of someone doing something you don't like with your work, especially with, uh, with the internet, right? Mm. And, um, uh, I weighed it. I, I weighed the pros and cons and I weighed the risks. And, you know, I decided that, uh, this was the way to go because I feel like it's, it's more likely that, uh, people will, interact with it positively than negatively that's uh i may be wrong but uh that's that's how i think it's going to go anyway uh as far as copywriting goes um just the uh just the studio i um i haven't uh i haven't done any uh well, i haven't done any global copywriting uh i just have the the studio registered mm-hmm. and um yeah, I, I, f- I feel like that's enough for an operation my size. I certainly hope so. And, uh, you know, I, I, there's two two thoughts that come to mind for me. And the first one is uh, I didn't, when we were talking about comparisons to other things, uh, the thing this most is reminiscent of to me was when I first started, and this is back in the 1970s, but when I first started reading ElfQuest when it was coming out, uh, there, there there is a similar feel to me of, of their... That style, when that came out, you know, the the character models had that, I don't want to say anime feeling to them, but, you know, the the, the cartoony feeling a little bit. They weren't very uh, realistic in their drawings, but the stories were more sophisticated than the art would lead you to believe, or lead you to believe initially. And then, you know, you, you grew to appreciate the way they went together. Uh, you know, that was by a husband and wife combo writer and artist. Uh, so a little little different there, and certainly the art was was not as uh, as 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 detailed and uh, clean as the art here. Uh, I, I have to say I do really like what Rosie did with this book, and I, I like your story. So that's all you know positive stuff that I took out of it. The second thought is it does have a little bit of a a feel where I could easily see this being animated. And is there any avenue potentially to go with that eventually? 
Well, uh, you know, I haven't uh, really been in touch with any animators, uh, but uh, if Netflix wants to give me a call... (laughs) If Netflix listens to my show, if any of the executives (laughs) listen to mine and Bill's show, I would be thrilled to to hear about it. Uh, uh... If I... If I get a if I get a call from Netflix because of this show, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so now you said this is going to go live when? Uh, May twenty seventh. Okay. So what what I think I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and release this the week before that, so this way it comes timely for people who are interested in in signing up for it and they don't have to wait a month and then say, oh, you know what, I forgot that came out and it's too late. Uh, so what I'd like to do is when I do post this, I'd like to have a, a, a link to the Kickstarter page to put on there so that anybody who, who is interested in, in signing on, you know, has easy access to get to it and, and do that. Uh, and I just want to ask you, you know, is there anything else about this that you, you know, you want to throw out to the, to the people listening and, uh, you know, to, to engage them with it, because I do feel from what I've read and what I've seen that it's worthy of being engaged. Well, I, um, you know, I think the, uh, the thing that really spurred me to write this comic in particular, and I could honestly say that Mara probably wouldn't exist without Daphne Keene's performance in Logan. You know, they, uh, I was watching in the theater with my wife and mm. when, uh, she was on screen the first time and just this animalistic portrayal. And that really took root in my mind. You know, I had never, I never seen Daphne in, uh, uh, in, in anything before. This was, that was my first experience with her acting. Um, but it was it was really really good. Uh, I don't I don't know if a lot of people haven't seen Logan. I feel I feel like that's a that's a movie that a lot of people have definitely seen. But um, it it was just so unique that the portrayal of this character and of, uh, as she went on, you know, she was pretty much nonverbal at the start, and as she went on, she kind of became more of a person. Uh, they they presented the animalistic side first, and that really struck a chord with me. And I have tried to uh, present that in my writing as well, because um, Mara is with the wolf's influence more wolf than person at this point. Hmm. That's that's. I find that to be an interesting thought which i hadn't considered it's almost like in some ways the reverse because you know it starts off she she seems to be your typical child you know following her dad and asking you know general questions and kind of innocent and then you know the wolf spirit comes into her and you know it's it's almost like she's you know in a trance while this is all going on uh yeah, it, it's I, I again. I just I'm really interested in seeing where it's going to go, and uh, I, I I'm you know I'm going to be at, at a minimum I'm going to be going onto your webpage regularly to read the new pages, uh, and I expect to do more than that. So, uh, I, I you know my compliments to you. 
Uh, I'm I'm glad people like it because it really wouldn't be worth doing if nobody liked it. Yeah, I, I totally totally True. agree. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't want to be putting this stuff out there for you know to to. Yeah. It's like we talk about with with the podcast itself, which is you know uh, on a different scale. But uh, you know we do it for fun. We do it because we enjoy it. We do it because we love the medium. But if nobody's listening, why are we doing it? Right. You know. Yeah, you know, I don't expect everybody to like every uh, page or even every chapter. Um, you know, because I don't think I'm a flawless writer. Uh, I'm I'm going to make mistakes i'm going to do things wrong and some people aren't going to like that but uh if nobody's paying attention at all then yeah what are you doing right again Mm -hmm. just kind of getting into the process a little bit before we wrap things up how much in detail direction wise do you give to rosie as far as you know what she does with each page So before we uh, got going, we tried a few different script formats because uh, I feel like when you're when you're working with someone, the the industry best is not necessarily what's best for your team. Right. And most people go with the Marvel method. Um, And it is a good method. You draw it. Yeah. And it's a good method. You know, uh, especially for a bigger company, because you have if you have a lot of eyes on your script, you have a lot of people working on it. You definitely need everybody to be on the same page in a standardized way. But we're a much smaller team. It's it's me and Rosie and then a couple of translators. So we um, we don't need to necessarily do that. And uh, I found that. Um, the best way to actually give her the script is it's almost more of a novelization, but with a visual focus. And uh, if, if you're writing a novel, you try and focus on all the senses, but the sense of smell isn't going to be very important in a comic book, right? Uh, particularly, you can depict someone uh, reacting to a smell, but what I need to detail is their reaction, not the smell itself. So that's what it ended up being. Uh, I will say for some panels and some pages exactly what I want, but uh, she has a lot of uh, she has a lot of creative freedom for most of it. Mostly, I just have the what needs to be depicted rather than exactly how she should do this yeah i think if, if you have a creative artist uh the best thing is to make sure he or she knows exactly what you need to be on the page and then in you know in my opinion my especially if you're kind of on the same page as to what your vision is it's best to let them take it from there because now you're you're making it a true collaboration instead of just one person's vision. And I mean, one person's vision can always can be great, but more often than not, when you put two creative people together and they're all, you know, again, they have a, uh, a similar plan for where to go. Uh, you know, it, it just expands the possibilities of, of what you could get. And I think, again, I, I, I like, I really like the artwork in here. So I, I, want to give it my highest compliments 
some artists are uh, afraid that if they if they let go like that that they're going to lose some part of their vision and um i've noticed the opposite honestly i feel like rosie has only added to it she had done none, none of her uh, none of her creative decisions have taken away from the comic it has always made it more if she if she were to come to you with a you know a page and it was not what you envisioned and you know you don't and you it, and it doesn't bring you down the road you're trying to go uh, have, have you had a moment like that where you've had to say, well, could you change this panel or anything like that? Uh, we've had some minor changes. At no point have I looked at a page and gone, oh, no, this is totally wrong. Um, I, uh, but uh, we do... We do communicate in uh, various stages. You know, I don't just blindly get a completed page. Um, so, yeah, I've had to change some panels. Um, sometimes I'll say, you know, hey, uh, Mara's eyes are supposed to be wolf eyes in this one. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are the most common changes, just little things, right? Uh, there have been panels where I've had to have characters rearranged to uh to make sense for what i was going for but um beyond that i think the biggest change i've ever had was um when it was in chapter one when she was still getting used to the world because it is a it's the world very alien to our own before the uh before chapter one starts there was a war between the gods that set the sky on fire and there is no more day-night cycle. So the loss of a day-night cycle is a very, it's a very alien concept, right? And she had one, uh, she had one page where it was at night, and I was like, well, <laughs> we can't really do this because they don't have night anymore. The sky is just red all the time. Will that, will that backstory get explained later through the books, or is there something else we should reference or read? Uh, that that will get explained later. Okay. Um, the reason I'm doing it this way is because Mara herself is still learning. Right? Oh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to get her up to speed while getting the reader up to speed. That's, right? that sounds like a great way to, to bring in your exposition without necessarily having it feel like exposition. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the time, you want to uh, you want to explain something to the reader, but why would these characters be talking about it, right? If it's common knowledge to them, but not common knowledge to the reader, the reader will learn something from that conversation. But in uh, what uh, what I like to call fridge logic, you know, you're staring, you're you open the fridge and later it dawns on you, like, wait a minute, why were they even having that conversation? Isn't this something that's known to them already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, it's not something known to her, all right? So she will ask questions like, why is it like this? Why are people reacting this way? And someone has to tell her, well, this is how mm. the world is. Like in like in Doctor Who, where you always had a companion who always asked, well, why what, what world is this? Why does that do that? What technology are we using? And, of course, the doctor would explain, and then that turned and explained to the audience. 
what's going on. And, and I, I think you give a little uh, a little seed of it at the beginning when uh, when they they leave the uh, fish for is it pronounced Amaruk? And, and, Amaruk. Amaruk. It's uh, I, I had to um, I had to practice that one a lot. Honestly, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it, it is not it, it just. Um, and that's something else you'll learn later is that it it just means wolf in uh, in Uktuit, but her tribe lost that language as it went on. So their old writings when they referenced it, they they mistook that for his name, and mm. because the spirits in this world are defined by their followers. If you're a spirit or a god, and your followers call you that, that's your name. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I, I like I like the idea of there being a rich history that we still have to learn about, and that we're kind of we're not coming in mid story, but we're but but there's a story before the story. I, I like that aspect of it. And I'm sorry, Bill, you were going to ask something. No, I I had a question. It's like a you know me, Paul. Sometimes I notice little things, and then I have questions. So when she's asking, uh, does Am Amruk? Did I say that? Amaru. Right? Amaru. Does he eat the fish? I notice on Mara. Now I don't know if it's just the just a coincidence or if you guy or if you directed Rosie or if she made this choice. Does Mara have pronounced canines and her father kind of pronounced canines because they're of the wolf tribe? Or is that just Yes. Okay, yes. all right. I noticed something. Yay. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 not really noticeable in all the pictures but in that one particular i was like hmm hmm interesting and then later when she gets a little more feral you because not everybody you see has the really pronounced ones um and there's another art question i have um i do like the depiction of, of the gods uh, uh the bear god and the wolf god and when he uh when the god butts heads with mara it just reminded me so much of like with my pets yeah. you know just my cat does the headbutt my dog will do that he's getting kind of old you know i'm thinking maybe they can impart some some pet spirit power in into me so i i i just really like that 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 one shot yeah, it's I know. It's, it, no, no, it's a it's a it's a very pretty page. I, I like it as well. And I, I I like the even the page before that, just kind of the difference. Uh, you know, you got the the wolf spirit and the bear spirit, and and the way Rosie drew their faces, you can kind of feel their personalities a little bit. And you know, it's not just it's not just rendering images. There's there's a little bit more to it than that, as far as I can see. And I I appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah. The, now the um, bear god is Ang Angakuru. Angakok. Angakok. Yeah. The um the the secret to pronouncing uh, these words is that the Q is a throat sound. So uh, we don't really have that in English, mm. which is uh, you know it's a huge sticking point for us to pronounce these words. Um, so the uh, it, these it did take me uh, a lot of uh, practice to be able 
to and I know I'm not doing it perfectly anyway. I'm trying my little best and I'm hoping that's good enough. I'm I'm hoping and you know if any uh if any native speakers see me, they will understand that I'm not trying to be disrespectful. This is just how my tongue works. Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, so we just pronounce things the way we pronounce them, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's no Z on you, Paul. <laughs> Use guys. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's about it for this. Uh, you know, we, we, we make a, a, our normal routine is we, uh, we rate the books at the end. And I'm going to say chapter one, I found to be really enjoyable, enticing, and made me want to read more. So I'm, I'm giving you A's on, on chapter one, uh, on the back to the bin scale. Uh, and uh, I look forward to reading more of it. And, uh, I, like I said, I, I hope if nothing, at, at a minimum, uh, the people listening, I hope that they go to the web page, they check it out, and they see if they want to get a hard copy of it and support the Kickstarter if they do. I concur with the A's. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, and uh, I'm glad that you, you reached out to me to, 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 to do this. And, uh, uh, you know, as, as this goes on, you know, maybe we can uh, get together again sometime down the road and talk a little bit more about all of this. Yeah, that would be great. All right. And everybody listening, thank you for listening. And again, I will be putting uh, a link to the Kickstarter and the web page when I post this episode. Uh, and it'll give you an opportunity to check it all out and uh, see what you, you want to do. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.